thing work i'm hearing you are you hearing oh. you? <laughs> yeah okay. uh yeah, absolutely hello everyone welcome to another episode of talking upstream my name is zach and this is dylan over there oh i'm finally getting that right you yeah, right. the mirror opposite thing uh this is our, our weird show uh talking upstream this is a show where what we try to do is we try to talk ourselves up to a streaming service through creation and content uh through weird ideas through conversation and friendship really if anything <laughs> if anything else uh, uh but before we get into any of that weird stuff obviously thank you to ibm tv for having us on here uh each week and letting me have a chance to connect to my friends and meet new friends uh such as the one we had last week uh last week was a great episode oh yeah okay. there we go that's a little better <laughs> yeah last week was a good one that- and <laughs> what no i was i was expecting you to talk more than yeah no, I'm saying uh, last week was a good episode. We've got another one going this week, but uh, how are you, Zach? Dude, I am so good. It is beautiful good. outside. I'm feeling better. Things are on the up and up. Uh, we finally finished filming our movie, which uh, I'm very, movie very shot. excited about. Movie is shot. We're in post-production. So, yeah, things are on the up and up for me. How about you, Dylan? How are you today? I'm doing all right. It is gorgeous. I've been productive on like a writing front, so it's uh, it's been a good week. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so things are good. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I, I don't know if that's good for us, because usually when things are bad is when we create the, the best stuff. That's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if we can create it when things start going good. Uh, but enough of us. Dylan, do you want to introduce our next guest for this week? Pretty please. Yeah, so this week we have a sci-fi author and podcaster from the Funny Sci-Fi Fiction po- or Funny Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, let's bring in Drayton Allen. Hey, guys. I, think I said that right. Yeah, the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. And our funny science fiction Facebook group uh, is where it all started. So yeah, thank you yeah, very right much. Right on. Yeah, that's actually where we met uh, you through Tim was on that yeah. Facebook page, which is uh, a very popular page. I'll say. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're in a lot of weird Facebook podcast pages, and uh, yours is explosive. Um, yes. What, what was what was like what what, what happened with that? How they get so popular? Um, well, you know, when I uh, a few years ago when I uh, released my book, uh, Custodians of the Cosmos, I got some advice about marketing that was, uh, thank you, I got it here as well. Uh, I got some advice about marketing that was don't promote your book, promote your genre. And I, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't, you know, because every, every other uh, author I'd met that was promoting their book on social media was, hey, read my book. Hey. Read my book. Hey, have you read my book yet? How about now? You know, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. So um, I started a Facebook group, and I thought, well, let's just go as generic as possible. And I searched the term "funny science fiction," and I found almost nothing. You know, there, there was lots of little niches for each 
different fan base, but nothing just general funny. So I said, okay, well, let's try it. See, um, uh, it all went on with you know first few from first few months where my forty friends that uh, you know were on Facebook and they all liked it, and then something happened and it went viral and it just started uh, taking off. Uh, after three years, we're sitting at uh, 116,000 members. We get about 200 to 300 people joining every week. We have about uh, half a million um, interactions every month on the uh, on the funny science fiction. Excuse me, the funny science fiction Facebook group. I should have made it more of a tongue twister. I I regret that now. Uh, but the uh, but it all stemmed from uh, my writing. I've written I've written in numerous genres because I I really enjoy and wanted to try everything because I didn't start writing till later in life and I says well let's try this okay so I wrote some serious science fiction I wrote a trilogy called The Founder's Gifts and then uh, I jumped off and said you know I I want to see if I can write funny because one of my favorite authors is uh, Douglas Adams and. Uh, and uh, Terry Pratchett is another one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, let's, you know, I just kind of kind of homage to their style and their their type. So I was uh, I was curious what it all meant. And I found out that the difference between writing a funny novel and writing a novel with funny stuff in it, a funny novel, the narrator tells the jokes. And in a just a standard novel with funny stuff, it's the characters who are funny and funny situations. So, with a funny novel, the narrator is also telling jokes along with the, and that's a big challenge because, as comedians, you guys know that sometimes it works and sometimes it dies. And so, uh, you know, uh, you get mixed reviews all the time because some people get it and some people don't, and that's fine. You know, everybody has fun. Uh, our our Facebook group kind of turned into a, a meme, uh, meme place where all the, uh, all the usual Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, every type of genre of, uh, within the genre, I should say, uh, meme makes its appearance, and a lot of a lot of creative people there. We get a lot of original memes. I throw some in there sometimes, and of course, when people fail the quiz on our podcast, they get put in there too, which is fun. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. So uh, the podcast was kind of an outgrowth of the group. We thought uh, we had a hundred thousand members on our group, so some people must like this. So let's try to come up with a podcast that talks about some of the things that we. Uh, that people like in in the group, so that's what we've been doing. We've uh, had some success in finding out some wonderful guests like yourselves, and, and some uh, some cool people that uh, uh, we interviewed from authors and actors and just everybody in, in that area. Some voice actors. So we've uh, really enjoyed the the podcast, and uh, Tim is kind of heading up that for me because uh, I found out that I. Uh, wasn't able to get any writing done while I was doing the podcast because I've been working on a uh, on a manuscript for uh, for my work in progress here for almost three years and COVID COVID has not helped me be more creative. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, as as, as a writing team, uh, it, it was it was very difficult for us to continue creating and allowing Dylan to continue to write. I'm like, hey, write this script or write this script or write this script. So yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> I totally get that. I also really appreciate your style of selling. It reminds me of like uh, those pillow sales where people say, you know, don't sell a pillow, sell a good night's sleep. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> buying our sci-fi book is interesting. But buying a funny science fiction book, I think, is uh, very, very cool. So I, I, I like that. I like that uh, that that approach to it. That's really cool. What was okay? I have two. Obviously, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to the book uh, Custodians of the Cosmos, which is very similar to something that we would have come up with, and uh, when we came on your show and we found out about you know this book, we found out about you through Tim, and then when we got the book, because we aced that quiz, by the way, we yes. not mean good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we did have a little help because we are a team of two, but uh, I think we would have done pretty well anyway. But either way, what, what was what was the inception behind creating this uh, like this style of comedy when it comes to science fiction? Well, I like I like character driven stories and the story is character driven. Um, and I always like the underdogs. And in fact, when you were talking about uh, some of the things when you're on our podcast, uh, I like to hear the other side of the story because basically I'm sitting there watching a science fiction movie, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, any of them. And there's all these laser blasters going off and walls are exploding and there's stuff all over. And, you know, the next scene, everything's spotless, pristine, you know, no, no pock marks in the walls, nothing else. So I started thinking about, well, how did that happen and who did it? Where, how did it go from, being a battle scene in, in this part, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, back to being the uh, the pristine uh, starship. So I, I came up with some theories. One of the theories is that there's robots who actually using the uh, the same uh, technology as the uh, the food replicators. Well, why couldn't they just lock onto a couple of pilot points and replicate? A brand new section of hull in place instantaneously, and so uh, the custodians, of course, would have to, to clean up the mess first and all the uh, the goop. So in the in the book, it starts off with the uh, with a cleanup scene after a battle. I kind of uh, have a little fun with the the battle and some very uh, uh, the the first chapter is kind of your standard uh, battle scene in in, in every science fiction book but then uh then at the end of that they say oh and you know as he's wiping the goop off his shoes from the alien squid men he says oh yes uh we should get first aid in here and uh call the custodians and then the rest of the book is about them <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's such a cool premise because, you know, Dylan and I are avid movie watchers and that's kind of our thought process is, you know, like when you're watching an Avengers movie and everyone's like seeing like the fight, yeah. uh, you know, I, I would be like, who's paying for any of this? Like, right? how how did, what, what are the <laughs> dynamics me. of this world? Yeah. So it, it's, it's cool to find somebody that has like that fellow, what are the rules of this universe kind of thought if, process? If a superhero fight destroys my place of work, am I going to get paid for my mischiefs? Like that that's sort right. of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and of course that's, you know, the whole red shirt widows and orphans thing. Yeah. Um, oh, one I of the things that I, I, I borrowed a lot of concepts from a lot of different, different genres and different, uh, 
fandoms to uh, to make this. There you go. It's found a home. Great. Um, <laughs> but I thought one of the things they always seem to do in some, in these, uh, especially the Star Trek Next Generation, they they always had some cultural event or something. There was a concert or 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 something. Uh, the captain was an amateur archaeologist, and I always thought, well, this is just so so great. What they got to have some sort of cultural event going on that is that all of this revolves around so why not a charity benefit performance of the pirates <laughs> of penzance for the red shirt widows and orphans fund and so uh so i i make reference to them a few times in the book and i thought you know what instead again instead of promoting the book why don't i promote the charity that's in the yeah. book at, as a kind of a fun thing to do and then of course we in the podcast we link that to a real charity uh, so it's, we can have a lot of fun uh, with that and at the same time kind of, uh, uh, you know, poke fun at the whole idea of all the cultural stuff that's supposedly going on in on these shows. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned Douglas Adams as like one of your inspirations. And uh, that was a book that I got, you know, Hitchhiker's Guy was a book that I got in high school, which really changed my thought process when it came to comedy, because that book was so well done and it breaks down so many different sci-fi uh, sci tropes. Uh, I read that you won a flash fiction contest uh, of a 42 word Douglas Adams uh, theme writing contest. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Because that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I kind of anticipated that might come up, so I actually <laughs> printed it up here. Okay. Uh, it's called A Letter to Douglas, and I thought, this is a great challenge. 42 words. Can I? And part of the challenge was you weren't allowed to directly mention anything uh, about what you were writing about. So okay. uh, so this is what it was. It was for Towel Day, of course. Uh, this was a few years back, and it was a 42 warm... 42-word poem for Towel Day. It's, I called it, the title is A Letter to Douglas. Gently, I used my dirk to open her letter. Mice sat chewing, watching me intently. Her message was perfect. Dear Frude, please don't panic. Meet me for tea time at the end of everything long and dark. Bring an extra towel. Thanks. Tea. Oof. That is great. Uh, that's lovely. Yeah, I, yeah. I would get <laughs> that tattooed on me. That is great, right? Yeah, because uh, I just you know I I, I love also love the whole the series well the book series of Dirk Gently. I was kind of disappointed in the show, but uh, mm -hmm. the Dirk Gently uh, Holistic Detective Agency was was a hilarious uh, set, and so I uh, I don't remember what I won. It was something something appropriate. And yeah. It was more about the honor. I think yeah. my actual oh, first prize that I won for my writing was a front end alignment on my car. Nice. And I, I wrote I wrote a poem about the uh, about a pothole at the end of Terminal Road. So that was quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So wait, you 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 entered a contest to win a new front end? Front end alignment. Yeah, alignment. Okay, oh. it, was a, it was a radio station contest, and uh, oh, that's cool. And so I I wrote this story about a a small foreign car that fell into the pothole. Michigan, where we live, of course, is famous for its uh, gargantuan potholes, and uh, you know, uh, filling them with uh, 
Toyota's was kind of an interesting prospect. <laughs> the the collected sixth Great Lake is all the potholes on Michigan roads. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, you said you had gotten into writing just a little later. I'm curious, like when you have an idea, what does the process look like when you translate that idea into an outline and then into the product? Do you outline extensively or are you more of like a loose framework and let it grow on there? I am a, uh, I will take the idea and write by the seat of my pants as far as I can. Then I will go back and write up a scene list sort of semi outline and try to make it make sense of it. Because the problem with writing by the seat of your pants is you, you really need to have foreshadowing and things happen that, that, that the conclusion all ties up and, if you're just doing it all out of your head, sometimes that doesn't happen very well. Yeah. So, so that was uh, my first three books. I wrote pretty much that way, and my my current one, uh, I written I've written three full length, well, four full length novels, uh, several novelettes, and then I'm working on a, another full length novel. Um, my uh, full length novel now is about to go into alpha reading, which is means I'm almost done with uh, the final author draft and it'll go to my readers for commentary and changes. Um, but the theme of that one is it's the, the working title is called dances with aliens. And it's the story of, uh, well, let me just give you the little, uh, the little pitch. Um, the, the, the short pitch is independence day meets Disney world. Okay. 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 Yeah. In. I'm in. All right, you in with that? All right, so yeah. uh, here's the cover blurb I wrote for the for testing on the book for my own. I also do covers of books. I, I do my own illustrating because I enjoy that as well. Yeah. And I and I make those up before I'm finished to get my to make it real. I see it to see the book in my head, so I do the covers. All right, so here's the blurb. It drew upon every ounce of Thomas resolve, along with a hefty dose of fear, not to remove his head in public. The torture of the suffocating heat and chafing pain were nearly unbearable. Earth is no longer the tenure of humankind. Earth's new tenants, wrinkled, gray-skinned aliens, have replaced humans. Their children now happily enjoy the theme park where Thomas has worked for years. Reality is blurred as Thomas battles for his sanity and survival in the world's most magical place. He's plagued with dozens of unanswered questions. How is he alive? What happened to his family and friends? What will become of humanity? Yet one question burns brightest of all. How does an intelligent race of aliens develop the technology to roam the cosmos, invade and conquer Earth, and yet not recognize a guy in a dog suit? <laughs> oh. Right on. We did a yeah. we did a theme park thing last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no. that. I love that. Not alien based, which obviously that's a way better right. story than what we come up with, but uh, that's great. Uh Hey, quick question. When we come up with a lot of really weird ideas, one of our steps is to try to figure out what medium fits that idea the best. Now, does your brain work in a novelization framework or do you like sit down and think like, can this be a movie? Can this be a comic? Or is it always novels or uh, books? I always try. I always, I don't know, because I've been writing novels and a few novels and enjoy that process and enjoy spending the time because to me, 
I enjoy writing more than reading now because whenever I read something, I'm always like, oh, why did he make that choice? Or, you know, I'm always see the author is always right there and I'm always like critical of him. Uh, so that's why I enjoy reading or writing more than the reading. In fact, when I do read quite often, I, I find myself reading a lot of history or some classic literature, but just because I don't have that, you know, with history, it's like, well, nobody made the choice. It just happened. <laughs> and, you know, the difference between uh, fiction and reality is, is that fiction has to make sense, you know? <laughs> so yeah. you always have to try to tie yeah. things together. Uh, but what ends up happening is if it, if I can't stretch the idea into a complete novel, then what I do, what I've done here, like I've done with my uh, my other series, uh, which is called Stout Tales. I don't know if I uh, mentioned these to you, but it's the uh, it's I take them and I make them into little you know fifteen thousand word novelettes. And so what I'm doing with that is I'm having different episodes. So it's more episodic. So eventually, if I ever want to make them into something else, then I'll have all these episodes. Right now, I have three three of these. It's uh, it's a new genre that I that I created. It's called beer fiction. So it's a uh, story of a little man who lived large. Uh, he's a he's an actual little person, a dwarf who lived in the 16th century, he's fictional of course, but he is a, uh, a beer connoisseur and he travels the world in search of the greatest beers. And so each, each story is an account. So the first story is how he encountered a legendary beer produced by the Paladin Knights who, you know, the few that were left by his time were, were aged and, uh, uh, there was something suspicious, though. They had some miraculous healing powers to this pale pally ale that they uh, that they carried. So you have to read how how he uh, how he he had super curious about what would what would the uh, what would the recipe for a beer that actually makes you sober be. <laughs> have Have you uh, gotten in contact with any actual breweries to potentially make some tie in? drinks for those um i talked to a couple early on but the uh it, it to me it's more of a historical fiction type thing uh i uh have offered some uh i've talked to a few brewers just to get some uh some real life input on mm -hmm. uh, some of the information about brewing beer and the recipes but uh, not not of yet. I'm always curious and looking for sponsors yeah. and people who want to work with me. I mean, well, we, you've mentioned in our little like we have a little blurb about doing uh, successful Kickstarters, and you've mentioned doing that for your own novels. Have you found a specific kind of like process that works well for you? Do you leverage the people in your Facebook group really well for that, or do you reach out to people and try and just get marketing done? Um. What I did for my Kickstarter is actually that all happened before my Facebook group. Because uh, the final, my last Kickstarter was for Custodians of the Cosmos. And then I actually started the Facebook after that book. So I'm curious to see this time when, you know, I get this book finally done, my, my latest one, uh, whether I can uh, do that or, you know, if I get uh, approached by somebody that, 
seeing having the leverage of a, of a large group and a large following, maybe uh, maybe I, I'll go traditional on this one. I haven't decided yet, but uh, either way, the uh, the Kickstarter when I the, when I did my first book in 2013, Kickstarter was a little more wild west, and people were just on there looking around for something cool to back and. It's turned into a, a more of a business. Every time I've done it, it's gotten more and more challenging because now there's all these, like the last time I did it, all these people sent me emails and things they wanted. They had all these businesses set up to promote you. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure Kickstarter is the way I'll go this time or not. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> One of the things that we were trying to do is uh, Dylan and I, when we got together the first time, was like, let's make one of these kind. Let's make this kind. Let's make uh, one of this. Let's make one of this. And that's how we got into a fictional podcast. And that's how we got into a weird TV show. Uh, and I also noticed that you have a children's book uh, that you wrote about narwhals. Now, we yes. were trying to work uh, into a children's book. Now, was that idea, uh, did you set out to make a children's book? Or was that a, a really cool idea about narwhals that you're like, oh, this actually would work better for kids? Well, actually, it started as a game. And I, in fact, I brought the game with me, too. It's a, it's a dice game called Icy Dicey. And I did all the artwork and all the research and the content for it and made up a little bit of a storyline for the well, it's a family dice game that for kids, and you just roll tons of dice and you pick out the dice. So, and and the cards in the game all teach you facts about narwhals. And so, I drew some funny pictures of narwhals. Had a lot of fun with that. And so, I thought, well, I have all this artwork, I have all this content and research, and that's what I do for books. Why not just put these in a book and make a nice little story? So that's where my book, Icy Dicey, came from. So it is oh, cool. this uh, yeah. narwhal adventure. Get that right here. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I just had some fun. I'm not a great artist, but I, I have a lot of fun with it. And uh, just some some yeah. imagination <laughs> where uh, kids that. have a lot of fun. I thought of well, what would be fun if a uh, what would it be like if a kid had a tusk like a narwhal. You know, what would be some of the fun things that he might do? So, had a lot of fun with the book. And actually, um, when I go to Comic-Coms, I sell as many of the uh, the Icy Dicey books as I do my science fiction. <laughs> because yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's a fun. And the game is actually quite fun. Uh, it's a very simple game. Uh, anywhere from uh, probably anybody who can count can play the game. So kids play it with adults, and yet it's not so incredibly tedious that the adults uh, lose interest right away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, evolution of stories is very cool, and it's something that right? Dylan and I always try to do. Uh, mm. The reason we have this show is to take a, a very weird concept and then ultimately talk ourselves to a streaming service or to make a movie. Um, have you taken any of your projects and tried to format them into a movie form or write screenplays? Is that something <laughs> I actually got approached about Custodians of the Cosmos about making it into a, uh, a play. A, uh, a community group wanted to do a stage play of it. Uh, and so I wrote a version of it. Uh, they just wanted to do like the first act as kind of a, a way to, to promote local authors and to promote their group. And just it was a Detroit group. However, that got killed by COVID uh, because it was supposed to... Uh, 
supposed to go into production in uh, in uh, the spring of last year. So, oh. so I did make a uh, a uh, not a screenplay, but uh, of course a uh, what do they call it? Stage play. Yeah. Uh, uh, version of it, which uh, which is a lot of fun and it was a good experience for me. And uh, so maybe uh, once I get done, I, I have to focus on one thing because if not, I'm going all over the place. And I, you know, I, I still work full time. This is my, uh, uh, this is something I do that I really enjoy that I have a lot of fun with, but uh, time only permits me to do so much. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. When we set out to start making anything, the first thing we were trying to do was to make a movie. And then we're like, oh, we don't really know how to do it. So we scale back and scale back. And we ended up making it into an audio podcast, like a fictional podcast. Yeah. Is, is that something you ever thought about doing? Was writing a, like an audio drama? Yeah, actually, that was something uh, recently I've uh, we had a guest on. Uh, one of our early guests was uh, Sarah Ray Warner, who does the Girl in Space podcast that uh, she just found out they're going to be going to TV with. And uh, so uh, in talking to her, I thought, well, wow, I, you know, this Custodians of the Cosmos would would be a great uh, great type of thing to do that with. And it's mostly all written. It's just a matter of converting it all into the uh, the, the stage direction. Uh, but again, you know, COVID is kind of limiting me on what I can do. Uh, the, you know, even with the podcast, it was a little bit too much because of uh, the amount of time that I wanted to spend on that to make it uh, great. And so I've kind of pass it on to Tim. Tim's doing a great job with it. I still get a chance to drop in and my son Nick is helping out with that. And so we're all uh, having fun with that. So the, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be down the road there. I'm, uh, I want to make an audio version of each of the books too, that I record, but it's just one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah, when I was reading Custodians of the Cosmos, I was thinking this would be such an interesting series. Like, I would love to watch this on, like, Amazon Prime. It would be yes. so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's make it uh, happen, guys. I'm, I'm all on board, you know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. My wife's been telling me that. She's over here next to me telling me, yeah, you need to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> Dill, what do you got? Uh, I I want to pick your brain just a little bit. Um, sure. When you wrote, you've written novels, you've written screen uh, stage plays now. Um, did you find that you had to kind of recalibrate your process to adapt it, or was it kind of the same method that you had gone through writing your novels for that? My novels, I really enjoy the dialogue part of the novels, and that to me is what makes a, a book interesting: is is the characters. Uh, interreacting, so I, tr you know, it's a struggle not to have too much narration, uh, especially if you have to explain something technical. Uh, so uh, most of my novels, except for maybe Custodians, um, I have some um, some devices that I've been using to kind of uh, make it interesting. My first series of novels, called The Founder's Gifts, are the more serious one, and what what they have is uh, it's about a future colony of Earth where because technology ruined Earth, uh, they became uh, a society that rejects technology. However, 
what uh, young man discovers uh, a sword that was a ceremonial sword given to the first governor of the Earth colony uh, that imbued him with nanite technology, which were AIs that were injected into his head, so to speak, into his bloodstream. And so the uh, founder's gifts here, uh, the sword that the boy <laughs> finds is uh, filled with technology in a world where having technology is banned by a pseudo-religion who is basically uh, trying to stamp out any type of technological advance. And so come, come to find out the whole world is, is based on this nanotechnology that they, nobody really knows is there. So uh, in that book, however, he spends a lot of time talking to all these AIs that have been downloaded into his head. So, the, uh, so it's all about conversation. It's all about these conversations uh, to explain uh, what's going on. And did I miss a question there? Go back and ask me the rest of it. No, I don't think so. Okay. That was <laughs> well, yeah, it, was just, it, was, it was just if you if you did change your process to do like a stage play versus a oh. narration, which no, I think yeah. you answered that. Yeah, it, yeah, it is a, it is a bit of a change because just the formatting, you know, mm -hmm. and instead of the the uh, description, uh, you know, you have to rely on. Uh, some other details obviously for a, a radio style play or a podcast type you gotta again it has to all be verbal but if it's visual then that's a whole different set of uh criteria and actually for the stage play that was a little challenging because you know you're not able to have a lot of special effects uh <laughs> for a community theater but at the same time you know there's there's enough you could do to simulate it make it very simple now, when we started our podcast, uh, Talking Upstream, the, the point of that was to get us to a streaming service or to make a movie. When you started the Funny Science Fiction Podcast, was there like an end goal or was there like a, a, like a big guess you would like to get to or was it just something you just wanted to explore weekly? It was more about something we wanted to explore. It also, uh, there's a, you know, a little bit more of an idea of we're spending all this time on Facebook taking care of this group for them, but I don't really have any rights to that group. I mean, tomorrow Facebook could say, sorry, bye, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, we started the podcast you know, to serve that same group of people in a way that we control. And uh, I've also started a newsletter to go along with that, that uh, people can opt into to, uh, that highlights like the, the funniest memes and we you talk, I'll have a little sample of my writing and we'll talk about some of the things. And of course, trying to do a little monetization is, is not a bad idea either. No, I like that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, let's see. I think Dylan, we're actually running over time. Do you have any I'm more sorry, questions? Well, it, oh, no need no, to apologize. That, that, it's good. That, that's us. Yeah, we, we like no, that. No, yeah. I'm going. I'll, I'll keep going all day. <laughs> no, I know. No, because you, you are somebody who's very similar to – now, obviously, you're way more advanced and have a lot more talent than we do, but you're very similar to the way that we work, which is let's find the funny stuff of the weird stuff, which I, mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love, and we have billions and billions of questions about this because yeah. where you are is where we're trying to be. You know, Dylan uh, Consley, he's written a novel, and you know, we're trying. 
combine to continue to, to do some stuff. So we just appreciate, yeah, we just appreciate you taking any yeah. time whatsoever to talk to us because this is very, very cool for us. Uh, to me, this is fun. This is what I do for fun is just like brainstorming ideas. Uh, in fact, my uh, I have the ideas for my sequel to Custodians of the Cosmos in mind and some of it on paper, but, you know, it's in constant flux as I get in different inspirations. Mm-hmm. I have a character in there who I uh, called Nigel. I don't know if, how far you got into the book, but Nigel has little Nigelisms where he takes words or phrases that everybody knows what they mean, and he totally misinterprets them. For, exa- for example, uh, the word aftermath, uh, it's the aftermath of the battle, well, he interprets that literally, that it, it was the math of the battle that they that they needed. The battle was all done with math. And so this that, that's why they call it the battle after math. <laughs> so he's a fun character. And he also has the, uh, the Nigel effect, which is he is so incredibly ugly and, and difficult to look at that uh, that any any room... Uh, the room could have a dead, rotting alien corpse in it, but when the custodians are done cleaning, if Nigel's in the room, uh, regardless how filthy it is, the horror of Nigel's face is so much that anybody inspecting it just passes it automatically. So everything by comparison is amazingly attractive compared to Nigel. Now, when you now when you're writing your stories, or when you when you go back and like think of you know custodians of the cosmos, do do you see it, or do you still like see the words? Like, have you visualized this? Because my next question is, Kale Butterly, uh, what actor would you see playing Kale Butterly? Oh my goodness! Oh wow! Um, There's a problem there because I'm I don't stay up on current actors. Uh, You know I I do watch most of what I watch is still old stuff because I I enjoy a lot of the older things. So I would have a real challenge doing. I'm not the casting guy, that's for sure. Uh, But any time, any time, any era of movie is is there is there uh, a, a person or acting style that you think fits this character the best? Yeah, Michael J. Fox. My wife is giving me a couple here. Michael J. Fox type that he, you know, oh, kind nice. of the reluctant. Uh, he's kind of the reluctant hero. He is the guy who's uh, who's who's trying really hard. He's trying too hard, and he's succeeding and failing at the same time. Yeah, I, I love this book. I think it's so cool. And thank you so much for writing it. And I'm really glad that we met Tim and I got a chance to get this book and learn about you because this is, well, I, you know, I, I uh, D- Dylan will test. He, you know, we, we hang out a lot. We go to the thrift shops. We buy a lot of weird old sci-fi books mm-hmm. and I pick them up and I start reading them. I'm like, okay, I, I understand this whatsoever. Uh, when starting Custodians of the, uh, of the Cosmos, I was immediately like, Oh, I wish I wrote this. Oh, why did I think of this? this was, yeah, it was so entertaining. And I, I honestly thank you so much for, for, for writing it and, and for existing. You're very, very cool. <laughs> um, but we're, we're not going to take up any more of your time with that kind of stuff because we got to sure. get on Let's to, get on uh, to making some new. Yeah, we got to make some new stuff. stuff um, right. Okay, so. Mr. Allen, what we do now is uh, Dylan and I will come up with some kind of weird ideas, original ideas, and then we will pitch them to you because we no longer want to decide on the things we want to work on. We fight too much. So that's why we have our guests do it. (laughs) Uh, So uh, 
And uh, Dylan's idea won from last week. So uh, my idea lingers. So the idea that I came up with for last week that I would still like to uh, go through is I watch a lot of reality shows. And I see like a trend of reality shows going to be more celebrity-based and more A-list people. And people just want to watch that world. I had an, a very weird idea for a bunch of A-list actors to be sent to a remote location for a reality show. But in mid-transit, the production quits. So they go to this remote location knowing they're on a reality show, but there's no production there. And they are thinking they're still being filmed. And I don't really have like a, a, a longer story for that. But I like the idea of celebrities living in a place where they think they're being filmed for reality, but they're not. Um, yeah. So, so Survivor meets Lord of the Flies. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And a little and a little bit of behind the scenes of Apocalypse Now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think last week what I ended up calling this was Back to Reality. So we're going to okay. throw that one up on the board. Uh, Back to Reality is uh, my submission for this week. All right. It's a good one. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> All right. So what do you got? So, I've just been kind of going through kind of cyberpunk stuff, some sci-fi stuff, and we had this, you had texted me an idea that sparked off a little bit of creativity here, and I was thinking, what if there's a cyberpunk setting, so like near future, kind of classic neon cyberpunk, where one option for a job is that when you sleep, you can have like a chip or something that makes you a courier, so you, you deliver packages while you sleep just as a way to make enough money. Right? And this oh. guy does it. And one day he wakes up and there's a package in his living room from the courier service. And it's like a pallet, like an entire pallet of like incriminating product, whether it's like contraband, like ammunition or a drug of some sort or an exotic Wait. animal. So you would rent your body out while you're sleeping to get yes. other tasks done. To oh, deliver wow, specifically to deliver packages, and you get and, paid and, for it. And this and, guy wakes up one night after doing that and finds out that he self-delivered a package of really incredibly incriminating stuff to himself. Huh. And I don't have anything so, beyond that yet. So instead of sleepwalkers, they'd be sleep runners. Yeah, sure. Sleep court sleep couriers. Sleep couriers. I'm gonna go with sleep runners. I think that's better. Sleep runners is probably better. Right. <laughs> Sleep bootleggers. No, they're not bootlegging. No. No. All right. Sleep smugglers. Sleep smugglers. Sleep smugglers. In this case. Okay. So, <laughs> Mr. Allen, you can see why this is so difficult for us because Dylan always has great ideas and mine are usually better, but I can't convince him of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty please, will you decide which one of these two weird projects we're going to work on? Whether it's one we're calling Back to Reality or one that I am calling Sleep Runners. Well, I like them both. As always, the guys are both creative. So, uh, just because it connects better with what I've been working on and what I what I work on, I'm going to go with the sleep runners. Oof. Because the, the, the chip in the head thing is right down my alley. Yeah, I agree. I knew it. Once he, once he started talking, I was like, ah, he won this one again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, Dylan, great job. All right. So we're going to come up with uh, whatever sleep runners or sleep smugglers or sleep bootleggers. We're going to figure out what this is going to turn into. 
uh, over the next 45 minutes. But first, I just want to thank a bunch of people that make this show possible and that really make me and Dylan smile and, uh, you know, uh, high five each other virtually. Um, IBM TV, thank you so much once again. I know that I say it a lot, but I do appreciate the platform to just uh, show creators the weird way that we work and for us to connect to other creators. It is very, very cool. And then because of IBM TV, we met uh, Mr. Drayton Allen. So thank you very much. Uh, we also have a Patreon, which we would uh, really, really appreciate and, and, and thank all the people that help us out with that. You can go to that at some uh, patreon.com backslash some nobodies. We have Mr. Scott Curtis from Behind the Bits, which is an awesome podcast where he tries to get behind what comedians are doing when they're writing their bits. And it's a great podcast. He's an award-winning interviewer. If you are into podcasts and you're into comedians, you're into interviews, check out Scott Curtis's Behind the Bits. We do have some East Coast friends. We want to thank Sarah Tukacic and Tanya Sheck. Also, if you're into podcasts and you don't really want to listen to the words, you want to read the words and save those jokes because I mumble a lot. You might not know what I'm saying, uh, but you can also read it, which looks weird because mumbles still uh, type out into a lot of M's and B's. But either way, you can check them out on Listener app. You can find them on Instagram at the Greatest Podcast app. They are great. Listener does some great podcasts and all 50,000 of our podcasts are on there. So go check them out. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, we also just finished wrapping uh, filming of our movie. It's called Give Me Back. It's a really cool sci-fi thing. Mr. Allen, you might be interested in this. We yeah. created a world where uh, there's a forced body swap. So people will uh, put somebody else in your body, make you do uh, crimes in somebody else's body. That way you don't have any fingerprints or anything. So we wrote a uh, – actually, Dylan wrote a small – film uh once again called give me back so we have a gofundme because we're trying to thank all the awesome people we have a great director savannah o'neill we have a great cinematographer travis eklund uh and they deserve a lot more than just the high fives and coffee that we give them so uh, right. go check out that gofundme <laughs> you can see that on our website which is right up here at some nobodies.com um yeah and honestly if you're watching this thank you we appreciate it uh, we're weird people and we like to talk a lot so uh any any attention given to me is uh going right in my pocket i'll take it thank you <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, Dylan. Yeah. Sleep Runners. Yeah. I like the name. I'm glad I made it up. Um. Yeah. You. Yeah. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. So we're we're setting this in in a future world, obviously, because there's a tech that we don't have currently. So we got to figure out what this world's going to be. We also have to figure out who this character is going to be, and we have to figure out uh, a lot of these plot lines here. Yeah. Now. Did you have anything in mind as far as a linear story or a series of stories when you uh, decided to pitch this? I can definitely see the potential for this to be a series where it's kind of like what life is like in a world where you can sell your labor while you're asleep. Um, the specific one I had is that a guy or someone wakes up in their apartment or something, walks out and finds the package they were supposed to deliver last night there and it is incriminating on a major scale. So just even possessing it is an issue, and trying to find out where it came from is kind of the main thrust of that. Yeah. Okay, so in this story, what we're going to do is we're going to... Uh, are, are we world-building, or are we just going to hop right into this thing and just start with the idea that people do labor while sleeping? I... I want to spend just a little bit of time on the setting first, just so we can move forward on like consistent kind of like the same level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, now, no. Mr. Allen, when it comes to a tech similar to taking over someone's body when they're sleeping, how far in the future would you think you would need to set this? Well, the, uh, 
Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm I'm actually an electronics guy, so uh, that's one of the reasons why this appeals to me. Uh, the uh, the technology with <clears throat> AI, you know, has has grown by leaps and bounds, and it's and it's grown even further than anybody would have imagined in the last you know few years. It was not even a concept back when I was younger, hardly at all. So the uh, you know maybe fifty years. You know, to be generous, we'll say 50 years. All right. So we'll say roughly 2070. That's a solid future year. I like that yeah. year. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dylan, and I would assume that people are doing this because they are. Now, is this something that you do to get extra money or is this like a low level job that you have to do because you're struggling? Yeah. What's the motivation of the, of the character? That was what hit me first. I figured yeah. it's a way to. It's a job, and it's something you can do that while you're sleeping, literally. So there's the appeal where it's like, during the day, I'm dealing with my normal job working at the uh, plastic recycling center because it's cyberpunk. So you would, you accelerate some of the modern day things we're facing right now. But um, let's say, be. So this is, a, this is like a just desperation, I guess. Yeah, it's a second job. Is it like right. an Uber? It's like Uber in your sleep. A little right? bit. It's yeah. it's like being uh, being one of those third party Amazon deliverers. Yeah. yeah, but in your sleep. Yeah. And when you wake up, you have no memory of this, and like there's there's no muscle memory. Of like, you, do you wake up tired or something? Yeah, like, you probably wake up. I'm imagining you wake up sore where, you know, you have, okay. you have that hard bitten cyberpunk narration where it's like, I'm a, I'm a sleep runner, which means that even when I'm sleeping, I'm working, I wake up yeah. with a sore back and sore legs, go to my job, something like that. Or maybe, maybe yeah. during the day, he's like, you could be like a data, like some data person. So while you're sitting during your day job, you deliver at night, but and it's like some weird reversal of how things were 50 years ago where we sat all day and right where we slept yeah, all night now, and worked all day now what is this a think of it? you know what would what would the social implications be is this something he's he's ashamed of is this something yeah. that would be frowned on or that's is my question is this is this a good job or is this not a good job i imagine it's not a good job i'm th i'm seeing like you'd have a scene where people are can like some maybe you have all the rich people out of the club at night and there's just a cluster of sleep runners just kind of walking down they've got like a visor on to hide the fact that their eyes are closed and all of them react with like <sighs> weird so they're, they're almost like zombies walking around with packages right yeah. is that because like they don't yeah. they don't interact with they don't they're not interacting right they're no. just they're just mobile they might they might have some sort of like really rudimentary like interaction routine that the ai or whatever is running it can be like please don't like please don't uh inter I'm, i am on a delivery please don't interfere with my operation or something like that right um <laughs> okay cool uh i like that uh okay now now uh, mr. Drake, uh mr. <laughs> yeah i like that uh <laughs> mr allen now, knowing that this is a, 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 a maybe a job that people don't respect that much, what kind of people would use this service? I'm going to say people who don't want to interact with anybody. So that would that would connect it to this type of uh, 
type of uh, things being delivered. So anything embarrassing, anything illegal, anything, uh, again, socially frowned upon that you don't want to know about, and you don't even want the delivery guy to know about. Yeah, like Legos or something. No, yeah. just like, <laughs> like your Lego well, addiction you've been feeding. Yeah. Well, I have a Lego addiction, so I'm going to write down Legos right, right here. That is, yeah, they're, it is They're awful. still going strong in the 2070s. Yeah. Yeah, I know. What Definitely. else am I going to do with my hands? Uh, okay, so uh, this is a job that uh, maybe some nefarious people use, probably subtle drug running, a lot of ammunition running, um, just some creepy bad stuff, but also probably uh, uh, not bad stuff too, like yeah. uh, people buying books and they don't want to spend the extra money for the post office. Uh, okay, Dylan, so what does this person... Uh, how long have they been doing this? Is this that story trope where their very first job turns bad or is it something they've been doing for a while? They're very bored with it. And then one day they snap into something. I don't think it's their first. I think they're, I think they initially got into it because maybe they lost a previous job and they just need the money where it's like, okay. I'm working a dead end wage job during the day, which doesn't pay enough. So I have to rent myself out at night to earn additional cash. And, I'm seeing this as like they've been doing this for just long enough where it's like, I don't know if I can call this a temporary gig anymore. Okay, cool. I figured um, this is this is that turning point where it's like you have to confront whether you're gonna do this for a long term or you need to really start finding something else. Yeah. Now do you wanna build up who this character is or do you wanna spend more time building up this world? I think this world is probably doing okay for moving on to like figure out who lives in it yes yeah, okay i mean cyberpunk has genre conventions and i'm not seeing this doing anything particularly like super far out there yet which we can always add later but i think if yeah, we cool. operate based on just kind of like right now kind of established genre conventions then we'll be able to cool. twist what we need to when we get there and who is our main character who is this person Who's our sleep runner? Is it a is it a boy or a girl? Does that matter? Not yet. I, obviously, they're down their luck, right? They 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 yeah. need this job. Yeah, so, he's got somebody who's pushing them to it. I I think there's somebody either uh, his significant other uh, or his, maybe he's a mama's boy or or something or maybe maybe it's the Lego addiction that he's. He's got into some some hard stuff, and now he has to pay off some debts. Okay, I do like so the idea that he has a debt to pay. That's that's yeah, an external needs... pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what what Dill? What are some uh, normal story tropes you can go down where somebody needs money but has to do jobs they're not very happy with? Uh, the conflict between maintaining any sort of personal life and paying off your bills. Uh, if you miss a payment, so you're behind, so you have to do something. And then, of course, personal life rears its head or something like that. Right. Um, what, what's, go what's going on in this person's life that they need money? That's that's what I'm trying to get to. Because if this job is not a great job, they need to do this. So yeah. what, what what's going on? Why do they why do they need money? I mean, rent. <laughs> rent and okay, just so general just, bills. Or they could loan shark. It, it's like uh it's like a penalty. Uh, these underworld loan sharks. Oh. 
you have to oh. if if you get in with these guys to support your Lego habit, then obviously it doesn't have to be Lego. But if you once you get in with these guys, you kind of sign a contract and in the fine print, this is part of it. Oh, okay. It, so they, they borrowed money for something cool. and this is the way they pay it back. It was going back to your I think your first question, Zach. It could be that this guy was in debt due to some sort of thing he's borrowing money for. And in order to completely wipe his debt clean, they're like, hey, we've got a sleep run for you. If you do this single job, you'll be out. And then, of course, cool. this one job is the one that he wakes up from, and it's put him in even worse trouble. All right. So we'll figure out why he needs money or what this person's doing, uh, why they borrowed a bunch of money. So let's hop back into the timeline of this. So this person, uh, our, our main character, we know they need money. We know that they're in debt and they have decided to take on the sleep runner position or have been doing or whatever. Either way, they're, they're doing this to get out. Now, you said that they wake up with the package they were supposed to deliver, correct? Or they wake up with something the next day. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, they so wake up with something incriminating in their possession after this job. Yeah. Okay. So they, they've been doing a sleep running a couple times. They understand that their body's going to be sore. They know that they're just paying their debt off. They're doing this thing because they just need uh, to have this off of their back. And one day they wake up and they have the stuff they were maybe, I guess they wouldn't even know what it is. Right. They just are like, Hey, I have this stuff. Right. Yeah. They, they wake up and maybe there's a package in the center of the living room or like on the table or, I mean, if this is cyberpunk, you can just have like <laughs> one of those kind of like Japanese style pod studio rooms where it's like, yeah, you, you go in, there's a very small sitting room, small bedroom, small kitchenette bathroom. And it's just a long shotgun style, like 20 by eight room. And then there's something there that should not be there. Yeah. Now, yeah. Mr. Allen, do you think if this person wakes up with a package that they probably think they were supposed to sleep deliver, what would they do when waking up? Would they contact their business or would they try to re-deliver it? Um, yeah, it depends on the relationship there. If, if it's an underworld type situation, they're going to be really nervous about it uh, because it's supposed to be foolproof. Supposed, the whole yeah. thing is supposed to be foolproof, and so yeah, he, he you know he might try to go back to sleep. Uh, might be an option, or he he might try to take some sleeping pills to force himself to finish the job. Maybe he's he's an insomniac, you know, insomniac sleep runner, or narcolept or narcoleptic one. We could have lots of fun. We could you know throw some other little twist to his uh, to his personality. But yeah, he's gonna, and he's gonna be, you know, depending on uh, how you set him. He, he maybe he's curious what's in there, or maybe, uh, or he has a, a friend or a significant other who who opens it. Yeah, I like um, I like the idea of maybe them either trying to deliver it, and the other like the company's like, no, you this was already brought here last night, and it's like extra. I think Dylan, you brought that up last week. Um, I also like the idea of him being a narcoleptic and can't like can't get it all the way there because he keeps waking up and then going to sleep and then half delivering it somewhere. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty. I, funny I really like the idea of him having one of those sleep disorders. Right. Yeah. Either either or. 
I like the insomniac thing because if he's trying to force himself to go to sleep to finish this job and he can't, that seems a very cool uh, and even kind of scary situation. Well, and we can have a part where if he takes sleeping pills, it could be maybe part of the reason that it's interfering with his, like, the program that makes right. you a sleep runner. The sleeping pills are interfering with that somehow. And maybe yeah. that's causing, like, chemical, yeah. I'm imagining that I'm seeing this as someone, like, either, like, maybe hacked his terminal or, like, his, his profile yeah. or something. And yeah. so maybe the sleeping pills gave them a back door into his psyche or something. Okay, yeah. so there's 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 a rival oh, gang. There's a rival gang that's hacked his chip. I love that. And, and wants this. Wants maybe they want to incriminate him for like a hit or something, so that they don't have to take the heat. Uh, you know what's what's that? I can't think of the movie, but uh, he's taken the he's taken the the blame for something without knowing it. <laughs> yeah. Inception versus, uh, yeah. Inception versus cast. In, it's Inception okay. <laughs> and Castaway, where he delivers the final package. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was like, Castaway. What part of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the delivering the package. <laughs> uh, all right, Dylan. Uh, let's start building up this storyline yeah. here. So, uh, if we're going to go, let's say that we do a, a solo story with this, like one encapsulated story, and uh, and as we know, you usually do your your three arc structure. So where we try to build up to is is the beginning of the first arc. It's like the world building, uh, character building, and then we probably see a couple sleep deliveries, right? And I'm, then, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know if we need to see multiple of them. I think we start with a sleep delivery, and I'm just I'm just kind of spitballing here. I think we start yeah. with like just a sleep delivery as the setting establishing like moment where it's like they watch someone else do it, and it's like. You ever wonder if people are like look at you when you do that like we're looking at them and it's like I'm asleep. I don't think about it while I'm doing it at all. Yeah. Uh we maybe I like the idea that he gets hired by an outside party to do this particular job. Yeah. Um where it's not done like maybe they have um a centralized delivery system and then they handle it like Amazon where it's like they will ship stuff sold by other sellers. It's just a courier service. So he gets a job from, he gets a message from the person he owes money to or something like that. And they're like, hey, we will substantially reduce your debt if you deliver this for us tonight. And he's like, yeah, I don't see why I wouldn't. Uh, that's going to cut back on my debt really tremendously. And then he's like making plans with his significant other because, you know, he's going to be substantially cut down on debt. So it's like, hey, we can afford real meat tonight. We can go out and we can we can buy some some beef that's not lab grown. And she's like, "What are you proposing?" Or something, you know. We we hit them with that setting color. It's just flavor. It's just setting info. Yeah. Um, he goes to bed, takes a sleeping pill, goes to bed with his little chip helmet headset, whatever it looks like on with the little. Uh, when you said they had a light on top, I imagined like a goofy like side, old school like bubble helmet with the wiggly antenna with the light yeah. on top. <laughs> Love it. But really, really hokey. It's supposed to make them look friendly because they're faceless yeah. courier drones. Yeah, it's yep. supposed to make them look friendly and silly. Um, he wakes up and he goes outside and there's a package like on his table or in inside of his door. And he's like, I didn't order anything. 
so-and-so didn't order anything. He looks at it and it's, there's some sign that it's something he was supposed to do last night. Maybe it has his yeah. like, maybe Ooh. it has delivered by his ID or something. Be because of his unique neurological condition, he can remember, he gets flashbacks of some of his deliveries that nobody else does. Ooh, That's what makes cool. him unique. That this is and what he, makes he, him unique. And now he's remembering things that he's doing and he can't, he's having a hard time separating reality from, from these flashbacks. And now he's starting to really worry what they're having him do. I like that. Cause if he wakes up with the package and then he has a flashback of delivering it, that would even give him a, a rough address to maybe go check. And they're like, Hey, you were here last night. You, what are you doing? Uh, I, I kind of, I like that. The flashback yeah. thing or the, 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 the being able to remember. Um, okay. So now that he has this stuff, he's been hacked. He's having rough flashbacks. What, what is his, what, what is his motivation? Is he going to, um, find out what's in this package? Is he going to try to topple the bad people? Like what, what is, um, what, what's I'm, he going to do after, after this? I'm seeing the scene happening pretty. I, I had this idea like a few minutes ago. What if this rival gang knew what was being shipped? knew his address because they hacked the system and then had him deliver it to his home so they could go to his place and rob him for it. So not long after he wakes up and like finds a package, there's like a really harsh knock on his door and he looks out and there are like three kind of like, <laughs> I'm imagining the guys from the matrix, just like those, like, you know, they look, they're punks and they're banging on it. And they're like, Hey, we think you got a package for us or something like that. And then he, okay. I just thought Maybe. of another, another scene before this where there's this big suspense and he's and he's or maybe he's discussing this with his significant other that you know they, they can't open this, they can't open this, and they finally break down and they open it. And there's this big buildup, and what's inside seems very innocuous. It's like, wait a minute, this is all it is. You know, yeah. after there's been some like real pressure or some real something really threatening about it, but then all of a sudden it lets you down. Like, wait a minute, this is just like a children's book or something. What what could this possibly be, and and make it like an anti uh, anti climax there? I like that. Would it be? Um, it could be like an important memento to like the crime bosses family or like dying daughter or something and so it's the crime boss trying to get his personal like you know my daughter has um generic generalized science fiction disorder and isn't going to make it through the winter and you know it just this stuffed rabbit you may not remember rabbits because you're very young and they've been extinct for a long time is yeah yeah is is the only thing that she that makes her distracted enough to not have you know, and then yeah, we it's have that threat. It's a veiled threat in some way. Like yeah, that's great. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Because if he's if he's having if this person's having like the flashbacks and the memories, and it looks very seedy and looks dangerous, and then they finally open this package and it's like something very just mundane. It's like what what is happening? And then okay, cool. Then I see the knock at the door from these people that are looking for the package, and uh, why wouldn't he give them the package? Well, that's, that was my next question. 
is you yeah. need some reason so, to not want to give it to these people. Um, yeah. Maybe uh, he, so that we have. To make, he's not convinced it's it's the right people. Yeah, he well, doesn't. Yeah, why why would they be there? I imagine after it gets mis after he wakes up and finds it, he like calls the guy who gave him the job. Like he's, he called the guy who told him he would be have his debt reduced, and he goes, "Hey, is the package I was supposed to deliver?" package ID and he rattles off its ID like number or code or something and it's like yeah you delivered it right it's like well it's it's in my apartment knock 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 and it's like you need to get that to us immediately or something like that and it's like yeah there's people at the door asking for it and he's like shouldn't be <laughs> they're not from us yeah I, I almost like if when he calls they're like hey package delivered we don't care and he's like there's people at the door like looking for this thing he's like Hey, you did your job. That's not us. And that would force him like out, I guess, uh, because if they would have hacked the chip or hacked the receipt to say that it was dropped off. Uh, so he, then what? He, he Go ahead, Michelle. He has a he has a fragment of a memory that contradicts everything that everybody's telling. Yeah. Yeah, and, okay, I'm into that. Right? He has uh, some and they nobody expects him to have this fragment for him to resist. And so he is, for some reason, he's motivated strongly not to give it to these people. There's got to be, yeah, you know, I, whatever it is, maybe the little girl's involved. Maybe maybe she she actually spoke to him or something and was she was afraid for her life. And he, he didn't, he comes to find out later that he didn't do it because it was going to mean this little girl's life. What is dramatic? What if he wakes up oh, and he okay. realizes he has like a like a bruised cheek or something, and one of his memory fragments is a specific face throwing a punch at him? And when these people oh, are yeah. at the door, he looks through like the peephole, and it's that person in front oh, yeah. being like, "Hey, yeah. I found you." And he's and he's like, I like "I'm not." I, and then we can have the actual full memory reveal later. Somehow subvert that yeah. later, yep. but his initial drive is to get away from this guy. He remembers punching him. Cool. So would, would this person, would this character's ultimate goal in the whole story be to find uh, and rescue the little girl, right? Is that, is that what we're getting to now? I don't even know if rescue. I think he just wants to know what's going on. We could have, we could have the pressure of him trying to like not reveal what he's, maybe not reveal what he's doing or maybe like try and keep this secret from his significant other. Yeah. Um, cool. So he he leaves, right? He has to leave the apartment because he doesn't want a significant other to be uh, hurt or whatever. Uh, and there are people at the door, so he's got to get out of there. Um, what what's the next big push? What's he doing? He has memories, so he's probably going to start going back to his memory bank. And uh... I'm getting a, a whole it's the one armed man fugitive thing from this too. Yeah, somebody somebody he's did something. Got to go on the lamb because yeah. Of I'm, yeah, I see right. the first thing he does is like either going to the sleep runner depot, like the, the, the local dispatch center where he's like, Hey, I, I ran, I, I did run number, you know, ID, whatever last night. I just need, mm -hmm. you know, here's my, here's my little badge thing. I just need to make sure that was delivered to where it goes, like on your numbers. And they're like, Everything's fine. You're acting really weird for no reason. Or he tries to yeah. make a run awake. He, he tries, tries to what? 
he tries to make one of these runs awake. Conscious. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's right. still like trying that. to fake the motions of it all. And he has to he has to simulate it somehow, but he doesn't quite have it all figured out how to simulate this. And he's worried the whole time they're gonna catch that this is he, he's trying to fix it. This is how he tries to fix it. This might yeah. be a later act. How he tries to fix it with doing one of the runs consciously and yeah. having trying to because he's got this hood that covers his whole whole mm -hmm. face he thinks he can do it secretly without them knowing that he's he's awake i really like that as like at the end of at the end he's told like he has to retrieve this stuffed animal or something and it's like how do i get in there i mean you know sleep runners have like effectively unlimited access if you can fake it right it's a, it's yeah. the, that would be a great climax. Point. And and yes, somehow the helmet also probably kind of shoots you up so that you go to sleep automatically. So he has to resist that. So yeah, yeah. okay. And yeah. because he did, he's an insomniac, it doesn't normally work like it would for normal people, which is why he has to take his you know crazy sleeping pills because he needs the job. Uh, but it wouldn't work on him normally. Yeah, all right, I like that. And that's a very cool scene. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I I like him pretending to be a sleep runner and like walking into like a place with a package and they go, man, this sleep runner looks very weird. Cause like no one really knows what they, you know, what they are supposed to do. Aren't you uh, right. Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I, I like that scene a lot. We still got to build up a little bit of the story though. Dylan, um, what do you see as like more of this story? Like what, like what, what happened? All right. So now, we know that scene later that he he can uh, fake sleepwalk and, and get to somewhere. Uh, we know that there's a uh, a girl in distress. What what are we getting to? What what's the um? How do we end this either series or I guess if it is a series that'd be kind of cool. Uh, but it seems dangerous. Um, but what what are we what are we leading to here? I mean, the thing about cyberpunk stories is that they tend to be pretty cynical and they tend to be pretty bleak. So. Yeah. Even if he successfully gets out of this situation, his lot in life probably doesn't improve terribly much. Um, I, I kind of like the idea if maybe like we do a he manages to get everything kind of worked out, but there's a lot of tension now and questions uh, his relationship with the significant other moving forward. Where she, you know they're like, I don't know, you went behind my back on a lot of things and if we're going to keep going we got to work on it and then he has to contend with the fact that now he's out one job and maybe he has like a black mark on his on his you know super dystopian sci-fi record which means that like getting further employment to someone else it's marked as like an abandonment of posts so now people think he's like quits jobs and that makes it harder to get an actual paying one here's I just had another. Well, you're, you know, you just spawned another idea in me that, in conclusion, and, and to make this episodic, um, after he does this job, awake, the FBI or some other federal type governmental agency finds is watching, and they learn figure this out. Now they want to use him and his ability because it's kind of like a special special power oh. and, and now he's going to be assigned jobs in the future that's where it's, it is that's it's it's like yoked yeah it's like he's now he's tied into this because they got stuff on him to keep him 
you know, to keep him and force him into this now being a good guy for the for the wrong reasons. Type. It goes from being a sleep runner to being a sleeper agent. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah, cool. Then he's, gov- then he's government that, brain or whatever. That's a great double meaning, too. <laughs> the sleeper agent. Sleeper agent. Mm. That's a better name than sleep runner. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. I like sleep runner as the name used in universe. We yeah. just call them yeah. sleep runners. But I like the idea of this being called sleeper agent. Yeah. Cool. Because that's, right, that's Dylan, the ultimate. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's really good. Uh, Dylan, do you want to run through this quick story? So I'm, I'm looking at this now as like an episode one of a series. So yeah. uh, let's, let's run through what, what you have as a linear episode one, the pilot of uh, Sleeper Agent. Sure. Um, this is pretty, you know, obviously obviously bare bones for this really so far. So we have a guy who has recently lost his like high paying job. So in order to maintain the debt that he has accrued, he works during the day and then he works at night as a sleep runner where he puts on a little AI controlled helmet, which puts you into a sleep state and you deliver packages. This guy's a little unique in that he experiences insomnia. So in order to have it actually work, he takes additional sleeping medication, which allows him to have recollections of what's going on. And the service promises privacy and discretion. So He's a unique figure in this world. He doesn't tell anybody about it because that'll terminate his position. Um, one day, he is called in to take a private gig by the people who own his debt, probably some sort of shady operation or a business. And they're like, "Yeah, uh, you know, we'll upload the court. We'll upload it to your employee profile. You'll have the gig when you go to sleep tonight. Nothing to worry about, and we'll cut your debt in half or something like that." He says, "That's fine." He goes to bed. His memory flashes are like him running, which is not usual for like a sleep runner, him getting into a fist fight with someone whose face he recognizes and various other kind of like miscellaneous intriguing images. He wakes up, feels like crap. His face has a big, big inflated bruise on it. He goes out uh, into his living room and there's a package there that he was supposed to deliver. And he goes, great. I messed up. Now my metrics are going to be off. No, it turns out it was delivered exactly where it was supposed to be by who it says it was supposed to be delivered by. He calls the guy who gave him the job in the first place. They say, delivery receipt checks out, man. I don't, wherever it went, we don't really care. You're done as far as we're concerned. And he goes, okay. And then they knock on the door and he looks through the viewport and it's the dude he saw in the fist fight flashback. And he goes, there are people outside and they're shouting about this. And he goes, they're not with us. Good luck. Click. Um, the main nice. character, uh, yeah, main character kind of has to, um, do that thing where they follow up with people they know and like kind of, they go to their, the, the depot to find out what's going on, find out that there was an external change made or something like that. He, you know, he gets the breadcrumbs, which leads him to the revelation that this was a hack job by a, a rival crime syndicate trying to get this package. Um, all throughout, he's been told that the package is dangerous, not to open it. Don't do it. He opens it up. It's a little stuffed polar bear. And he goes, collector's item. What, what is this? Uh, turns out that the um, crime boss that originally hired him as like a sick daughter or a loved one. And that was their like kind of comfort item. And it concludes with, do they somehow, do they somehow get the stuffed animal away from him and he has to recover it? They do that. Uh, maybe he gets ambushed again by uh you know how movies w- who don't give their uh, henchmen like 
names. We'll give him nicknames like uh, like Iscar. Yeah, we're gonna call this bad guy Fist Fight. He gets ambushed fist by fight. Fist Fight and his buddies, and they manage to get the package from him. So he has to go to the rival crime bosses organization by faking being a sleep runner and getting the package back from them, which he does. And then that gets the attention of federal agents who are like, hey, you've been embroiled in a whole bunch of illegal stuff. In order to let you go, we're going to need you to do more of that. So he's kind of pressed into this world that he wanted to get out of originally. And credits. Yeah. Dude, I, that is crazy. Yeah. Great. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good one. I'm, I might write. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write this out. I like it. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of this. I think this is really cool. I think as as an episodic kind of thing, uh, having him have this ability, which almost yeah. makes him a superhero, I guess, yeah. in like this futuristic dystopian world, which I think is a very cool world building technique, and uh, I yeah. like it. Hey, good job, Dylan. Right on. Yeah. Hey, you too. Great. And thank you, Mr. Allen. That was fun. Yeah, I love, this is. I love doing this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, we appreciate it. Mr. Allen, do you want to tell people where they can come find your stuff, where they can buy your books? Do you want to sell anything, including your amazing pillows? My pillows? No. All of my books are available at DraytonAllen.com, which is also uh, under the name uh, FunnySci-Fi.com. And uh, you can... Uh, get a hold of any of my books there they're on amazon of course um we have uh, our funny science fiction facebook page which anybody it's open to the public anybody can join and please go there and enjoy uh, a lot of the fun stuff that we share there every day our funny science fiction podcast and newsletter uh the podcast we have had some amazing guests considering we we only started this like six months ago if that and we have had some fantastic uh, guests and opportunities to to meet all kinds of very very cool people. So look at our look at our podcast, like and subscribe, of course. Uh, and we uh, just have fun and uh, look for my book uh, coming out in the next year or so called uh, Dances with Aliens. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I really cannot I really cannot express how much you should go check out funny podcast, uh, funny sci-fi podcast. It is really, really clever. They're doing a great job. They you're you're right, Mr. Allen. They have amazing you guys get some really, really great guests, uh, some amazing voice actors. Uh Tim is constantly throwing up in the messengers like the people that he's talking to. And you know, obviously he's very proud and he should be because you guys get some great stuff. Uh you also have great guests such as us. Uh, we were yeah, on yeah. the show not so long ago, and uh, we had an amazing time. A very well put together show, and we really appreciate it. So, thank yeah. you. And uh, once again, uh, Custodians of the Cosmos, phenomenal book. If you like the stuff that we do, you will love this book. It is a better version. It's a more polished uh, than what we normally do. Uh, it is a great, very, very entertaining book, and honestly, uh, a pretty fast read. It wasn't very, you know, long. It re it's it really gets you going, and you you really hang in there for a long ride. It's great. Um, but yeah, that's been another show of ours, uh, Dylan. Great job, dude. I, you I do. love talking upstream with you. That's great. Uh, it's a good time. Especially, especially when my ideas don't don't get taken. So uh, I always appreciate uh, you winning. It's so happened cool. to both of us at this point. That's true. You, yeah, I think you had the longest losing run for a I think while. You five or months. six weeks, two months, yeah. two months. Yeah, Which, that's and we, that, we had we had to <laughs> eventually compromise on you just using that spider thing. Yeah, I love it. Okay, honestly, Mr. it was a good time. 
I'm gonna run this idea past you real fast. We uh, Dylan had this idea to do a uh, like a, a child style uh, late night, uh, I guess, comedy show where it was hosted by a spider, and uh, and what he would interview was whoever bugs got caught into his web at nighttime. The show was called One Last Web, and then he would interview them and kind of teach people about or teach kids about different insects, what they could do, and then it would end up with them eating them every night because obviously the spiders. Uh, now we pitched Dylan pitched this show uh, this idea probably seven episodes in a row and it never got taken until we had to force it into a live event that we did. Uh, but I, that was one of the the best projects, the, one of the coolest projects that we worked. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, either way, this is episode fifty uh, th- thirty five. We have thirty four other amazing ones, not as cool as uh, Sleeper Agent, but you can definitely check all that out. All the weird stuff that we do. Uh, you saw what Dylan just made out of all this with the help of Drayton Allen and uh, I guess some of my words, not a big deal. But you can look at all of our weird stuff at somenobodies.com. Um, if you want to uh, help us out, if you want to uh, be somebody that I get to mess up your name and say it constantly, you can always go to patreon.com uh, backslash some nobodies and be some of the amazing people like Scott Curtis, uh, Tanya Sheck, uh, Sarah Tkachik, uh, uh, Marie Grimmer, uh, listener app. A lot of great people out there are really helping us out and we appreciate it. Just, you know, we, we like all of our friends, uh, other friends. We got Mick Manhattan over at Scene Snobs with some really nerdy goodness. And uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Terry, my absolute best friend. I could not make up anything without you. Uh, I only come up with very good ideas, just hoping I can text you and make you giggle. So I appreciate you as a friend. You are awesome. And thank you so much for being my best friend. I appreciate you as well, Zach. Don't sell yourself short. Get out of here. <laughs> I have motivation and you're my drive. Uh, uh, once again, thank you to Mr. Drake Nowen for spending any amount of time with us and helping right. us make this a way cooler project. And please go check out all of his stuff. And mm-hmm. until next time, guys, I've been Zach. He's been Dylan and you've been great. Thank you so much. And we'll see you very, very soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.